0: Welcome to all of you and to those joining us in the fellowship hall today and through the broadcast. It's good that we can study the Word of God together. I've got a question for you this morning. Have you ever been in a situation where just understanding what's going on around you is a struggle? Maybe there's a conversation going on in a room that's just too loud for you to be able to hear well. Or maybe the conversation is on subjects that you don't know very much about. Or maybe people are reminiscing about people that you don't know. Sometimes the struggle to understand communicates to you that what's happening around you really isn't meant for you. You feel one step removed from the heart of the community. And although you're there, you come to accept instead some level of distance. We all go through that kind of thing from time to time, but some situations seem to make that harder than others. When I was in French-speaking West Africa, I was exposed to about 60 different languages and it took so much brain power just to figure out what was going on every single moment of every day that it just physically exhausted me. But at certain moments every day, there was sweet relief because every once in a while I would hear out of the crowd a voice speaking English and my ears would lock onto that sound like a homing beacon. The only reason anyone would speak English there was to speak to us. So when I heard my language, I knew that message was for me. and It was such a relief to stop trying so hard to just understand. It was such a gift that I could receive that message in rest and then act on it in confidence, trusting that it was meant for me and that I understood it. It's almost silly how much joy it brought me in those moments. The scripture lesson that we read all together today is about the joy of something God did on Pentecost so that we might understand. At this festival, people had gathered from all over the world, and it was at that time that God decided to send his Holy Spirit. And if God had just empowered the disciples to speak this message about Jesus in Hebrew or Aramaic, everyone who was gathered there would have understood it. These people were in Jerusalem either to worship or to trade, so they would know all those languages. But God knew it wasn't just enough for them to understand the words. Instead, in this moment, the Holy Spirit empowered the disciples to speak this language in the native language of every person there. The message cut through the crowd in the sweet relief of their own language. God's message that was being communicated, not only in what was said, but how it was being said was that Jesus didn't just come for the Hebrew people, but for you, for your people, for your family, your culture, your heart. This is a message that is meant for you to hear. That's what Pentecost was all about. The personal love of God in Jesus Christ applied to you. As 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This message is personal. Pentecost is often called the birthday of the church because from this day on, things look very different as people come to understand what Jesus' sacrifice means for us. And the Holy Spirit communicated this, not just in how he did it, with this personal touch of language, but also through when he did it. For a long time, it didn't occur to me to wonder why God chose to send his Holy Spirit on this particular day. After Jesus rose, he was with his disciples for 40 days before his ascension, and that made sense to me, because 40 is a biblical number of completion. Think about how many times you've heard that number 40 in the Bible. 40 days and nights, 40 days of testing, 40 years of wandering. So 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus ascended to his rightful place as Lord. And Jesus told his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit for the next step of the mission. Jesus said in John 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. So the disciples knew that the story wasn't over, that Jesus would continue to guide us through the Holy Spirit, but why the wait? Why wasn't the Holy Spirit sent immediately when Jesus ascended? Why wait for the Pentecost? The more I study the Word of God, the more I see that when God acts to fulfill His promises, His timing is not random. There's a reason for it that points us toward his truth. So what is God telling us by waiting for this harvest festival to send his Holy Spirit? This holiday is either called Pentecost, which means 50th, or Shavat in Hebrew, which means weeks. And it's called that because it's celebrated seven weeks and a day from the first thing that's harvested. Seven weeks is 49 days plus one equals 50. It was celebrated on the 50th day. And the countdown to the 50th day started with the offering of the first fruits of the harvest. And the 50 days ranged from the first day of the harvest until the last. And since crops ripen at different times in different places, celebrations originally took place on different dates. But when things were centralized in the temple in Jerusalem, the date became fixed for the first fruits offering to be done on the second day of the Passover festival. We learn about this in Leviticus 23. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I'm going to give you, and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. Now the Jewish Sabbath was celebrated from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday. So what's the day after the Sabbath? What comes after sundown on Saturday? Sunday morning. Sunday was the day the first of the new harvest was to be celebrated. To so hold on to that for a moment. We'll come back to that. If you're a gardener at all, you know that there's a lot that happens from the first thing that you harvest to the last thing that you harvest in a growing season. There's a lot of work in between. And on the 50th, at the end, this is how God commanded them to celebrate the Pentecost. In Leviticus 23, 21 through 22. On that same day, you were to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, wherever you live. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. How God wants to be honored here says a lot about who he is and his relationship with us. We see, first of all, he wants us to celebrate by resting. Do no regular work. When we rest from our labors, we show that we know we're dependent on him to provide the growth. Did you know that God wants you to honor him by resting? It's called Sabbath practice. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Do you honor God? Do you trust him enough to simply rest? Or deep down, do you feel that everything really is up to you? Pentecost, after a season of hard work, is celebrated with intentional Rest, it's a time for laying down our striving instead to receive from God. And for most of us, it's in those times of rest that we can best hear and receive what God is communicating to us. We celebrate by resting and putting our trust in God's timing and provision for the harvest. And secondly, notice God wants us to honor him not by bringing in everything we possibly can down to the last grape, but by intentionally leaving some for others for those on the outskirts for the poor for the foreigner even for those who don't call in his name because he loves them too that's how god's people were commanded to celebrate the harvest to work to do what they can and then trust and rest and share do you see what that says about god and what it says about our relationship with him That for all of our striving, it reminds us that our lives are ultimately in his hands and that he is a God who wants to see good for all. But food harvest is not all that Pentecost was about. After the first fruit celebration came to be established during Passover, Pentecost also came to be associated with the giving of the Ten Commandments. And that's because the first Passover was the event that God used to send the people out of slavery from Egypt into the desert. And later scholars figured out that 50 days would have been about how long it would take them to reach Mount Sinai and receive the law. So Pentecost, the 50th, came to be a celebration of the giving of the law as well. So on this harvest festival, not only do people celebrate the completion of the food harvest, but they're celebrating the gift of God's word to them that produces a harvest of faith. The Jewish source that I consulted about Pentecost was quick to point out that in this festival, they're celebrating the event of the giving of the Torah, not the receiving of it. And that distinction was important to them because although it was given once in faith, they are constantly receiving it. At synagogue services on Pentecost, the congregation stand for the entire reading of the commandments as if they themselves were standing at Mount Sinai personally receiving these words from God. They celebrate what God has given them, and in response to that gift, their part is to receive it and to act upon it. And that's what the celebration of the Pentecost meant to the people. So do you see what God is saying here by sending his Holy Spirit on this day? The day they celebrate God's provision for life in both practical and spiritual ways? If you remember, the countdown to the 50th day started with the first fruits offering on the day after the Passover Sabbath. After the Passover meal, the Last Supper with Jesus and His disciples. After Jesus' death on the cross before sundown on Friday. After the quiet of the Sabbath day after sundown on Friday to sundown Saturday. On Sunday morning, the beginning of a new week, the first fruits of a new harvest were offered up to God. And on this day, Jesus, the firstborn of the new creation, the first fruit of resurrection life, walked out of the tomb. The firstborn of a resurrection life for us all that will never end. 1 Corinthians 15 says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But in this order, Christ, the firstfruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. Just like the first fruits offering to God was a sign of the blessing of the full harvest yet to come, Jesus, the first fruit of resurrection life, is himself the promise that God will bring the greater harvest of our lives drawn into his eternal resurrection life. All through Scripture, humankind is described in terms of a spiritual harvest. In Genesis 12, the Hebrew people were set apart to be a blessing to the rest of the world. And through Jesus, that blessing has been accomplished. And now through the Holy Spirit, it's being applied to the world. Jesus told his disciples in John 16 that the Holy Spirit would come and take from what is his, what Jesus has done, and make it known to us. That the Holy Spirit's work is to take what Jesus accomplished and apply it to our lives so that you may understand that you are the one that he put all of this in place to draw back to his heart. Jesus is the first fruits of this new harvest of life, and on Pentecost, you are the harvest that he's celebrating. The disciples had seen Jesus alive, risen from the dead, and for 40 days they received this new commission to go and tell the world to be workers for the harvest They had been given their instructions to go, but first Jesus told them, wait. And that wait is pure grace because it was important that they and we understand where the power to do all this is going to come from. The power to move forward can't come from our human willpower, but only from his power at work in us. Where do we even start with a mission that big? We begin in rest and receiving. See, Pentecost was not a day for striving. It's commanded to be a day of resting because it's not a day about our work. It's about God's work to bring in the harvest. On the 50th, we celebrate what God gives, and in faith, we respond to his gift by receiving, by putting ourselves in a place to continually receive from him through daily relationship with him by his Holy Spirit. And it's on this day, as the disciples worship and rest and trust, that God's Holy Spirit shows up to do the work. And as they boldly cooperate with his power, the Holy Spirit moves them to speak languages that they had never learned. And God himself brings in the harvest, not just from the faithful Hebrew people, but from the poor and the foreigner, and even those who had been in the crowds demanding Jesus' death. Each one of them, God speaks a personal word in their own language that this harvest from the new covenant made in Jesus' sacrifice is meant for us all. In Jesus' mission statement in Luke 2, quoted from Isaiah 61, he said that he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is another biblical 50th. Every 50 years, Leviticus 25 tells us, there was to be a year of jubilee, where all debts would be forgiven and everyone in slavery would be set free. Every 50th year, there was to be a holy do-over, a brand new start in grace. In Jesus' redeeming sacrifice, he came to declare that now is the year of the Lord's favor. The 50th has come to stay. So on the 50th, the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, reaching out in every language, showed that all the world was to be included in this jubilee, this forgiveness, this freedom, this new start, an eternal relationship with God through Jesus' work alone. The Holy Spirit's message at Pentecost, spoken through the disciples, is that no matter who you are, what was done in Christ Jesus was done for you. And for those of every language, every culture, there are no outsiders in this new community. It's for all who will simply receive what he came to give. And so as we celebrate this Pentecost, this harvest of power and grace from God, we celebrate it with the same practices that God commanded for this festival day. We celebrate it in rest. Trusting God to lead us. Knowing that the saving work has been done in Jesus Christ, the first fruits of the resurrection, our Savior. And we trust that the power to live this life of faith does not come from us, but by the Holy Spirit's power in us. So today as you worship, ask yourself, what stands in the way of you being able to simply rest in his love, to be open to receiving what God wants you to hear and know and understand of his love and his plan for you? What changes might you need to make in your life to intentionally worship by resting and receiving, to just let go and trust him? And secondly, we worship him today by our willingness to share. And that also comes from his grace. Because when we receive from a place of rest, trusting that God's message of love really is meant for us personally, he will fill us with the confidence to act on it knowing that we're not outsiders to his story, but we're intimately known and loved and called into family. His love leads us to honor the giver by sharing what he's given us with those who have felt outside of this message. And as we cooperate with his spirit, just as he did with those first disciples, God will use our lives wherever we are, at home, at work, at school, to open up the hearts around us to his eternal promise in personal ways. God is in control, and he is trustworthy. So in patience and in trust, like those first disciples, we learn to wait for God's timing in our own lives, for what he wants to bring about in and through us. We worship as we wait, and we rest. And in trust, his love makes us bold to respond and to cooperate with his Holy Spirit when God moves in our lives. So today, may you hear the sweet relief of the message of God's personal love for you and your heart's own language. May the Lord teach you his trustworthiness in the times that we wait and in a response and boldness to say yes to the Holy Spirit's power because he is the one who changes the world and us. Please pray with me. Holy Spirit, we receive you today. We receive your power at work in our lives. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to honor you by resting in you and cooperating with your Holy Spirit at work in us. Teach us, Lord, that we may understand how much you love us and how you want to use our lives to share the power and the calling of your love. We thank you, Lord, that in your resurrection, you are the first fruits of eternal life and the promise of what is to come, and that you, God, are faithful to bring the completion of that harvest in us. Lord, help us to want what you want and love like you love in this world. Lord, reign in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.